a path to the passion. Uh, we're we're going to have the, the tomb should be ready next Sunday. Uh, they're beginning over here building that. And uh, every single practice gets better and better and better. I don't think one practice has gone by without tears in somebody's eyes. I promise you this, we are going to see the hand of God move in an incredible way. I've never had the devil fight me any harder than what we're doing with this, this drama, and I'm glad. That means we're doing something right. Uh, listen, if you get discouraged with it, if you get bothered with it, hey, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That means you're pulling on his tail. Say amen. We are doing something right. Let's stick with it. Let's resist the devil, and he will flee from us. Amen. We're going to do what we can to reach our community. If you are in Genesis 37, verse number 1, say amen. The Bible says, And Jacob dwelled in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph was feeding the flock with his brethren. The lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. He made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that uh, their father loved him more than all their brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph, say it with me, dreamed a dream. Say it with me. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep arose and also stood upright, and behold, your sheep stood round about and made obeisance to my sheep. His brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for their, his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream. He told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to the earth? Brothers envied him, but his father observed the saying. Look down in verse 19. He is sent to his brethren. And I want you to look, I want you to look at, at, at the, the accusation or, or the title that they gave him. Look in verse number 18. Uh, after Joseph was sent to his brethren, it says, And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, say it with me, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Say it again. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your anointing. God, we need it right now. I pray that your will be done in this house today. Thank you for your presence already. Thank you for your comfort and spirit. Thank you for being all in all. Lord, we'll thank you for all you do in the rest of this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Joseph is an interesting character in the Old Testament. Uh, he's probably the greatest type of Christ in the whole Bible. Uh, but we see that in this situation, Joseph dreams a dream. And his brothers hate his dream. They hate the one that's dreaming it. And they hate everything about it. It's amazing to me the biggest critic of somebody's dream is always the one that ain't got one. Say amen. Uh, Joseph had strange dreams. It's amazing that any time God does something, it's never in the normal. 
It's never in the expected. It's never in the status quo. Anytime God does something, it's always supernatural. It's always out of the ordinary. It's always outside of the box. It's never what we would expect it to be. And Joseph had strange dreams. And, and then as, as his life progressed, he had shattered dreams. Listen, he was, he was lied about. He was thrown into a pit. We know this whole story and everything that happened to him. And it seemed like the dream that began in the very early stages of his life, the dream that God had given them, listen, the dream that God had blessed him with, the dream that God had anointed him with, it seemed like they had all gone up and spoke. He went into a pit. He went as a slave in Potiphar's house. He went into the prison cell. And it seemed like all his dreams were shattered. But I'm glad to know that God is in control. When the world tells you your dreams are no good, listen, when all hell comes against you and everything comes against you and it seems like all your dreams are shattered, I'm glad that God is on the throne and He can give you sweet dreams when it's all said and done. What a story this is. A man who had dreams. Behold, the dreamer cometh. Man, I want to be known as somebody with dreams. Amen? I want to be known as somebody who has a dream to see God do something. I read a story of a man who was in Little League and and he said when he first went and, and signed up for Little League, the coach had a picnic to begin the year and and he said all those little boys was out there and, and they were all excited and he stood there before them and he said, how many of you have a dream of playing in Little League, or excuse me, playing in the major leagues? All of those boys shot their hands up. Man, I want to be the next pitcher. I want to be the next Babe Ruth. I want to be the next. Are y'all with me? Man, they had dreams. He said, well, right here is where your dream begins. And later on in life, this man said, uh, 25 years later, he began and he began to coach a team. And he said, man, I wanted to do that same pep talk. I wanted to do that same encouragement uh, with my team. And he got them all together. And he said, how many of you have a dream? How many of you think you can make it to the major leagues? And he said, not one child raised his hand. He stood back. And he said, are you serious? Not none? And he stepped back and said, who in the world has stolen our dream? Jamal Anderson Jamal Anderson was a running back for the Atlanta Falcons. He's one invented the dirty bird. You know, the dance when he run into the run into the end zone, went to the Super Bowl and everything. He spoke at a young man's uh, graduation ceremony, a young man who had given up his football career to give an organ to a family member, and he could not play football anymore. Jamal Anderson was so touched by that, he went and spoke at this uh, commencement uh, service, and he said this in his speech. He said that dreams are the backbone behind reality's accomplishments. It all starts with a dream. I, I, I read this on the morning of December 17, 1903. After many attempts and failures, the Wright brothers accomplished flight. The longest flight lasted 59 seconds and traveled 852 feet. On, listen, on July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong emerged from the lunar module to descend the ladder to leave man's first impression on another body in space, and he made this historic quote, one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. Do you know how man got to the moon? Because two brothers were sitting on a hillside one day looking up and seeing birds flying around said, man, I'd like to do that. 
Every great accomplishment starts with a dream. It starts with a dream. Well, 1991, in the Civic Center here in Coleman, Alabama, Temple Baptist Church, the dream began. Listen, they began services there at the uh, Coleman Civic Center, and, and as, as things begin to progress and God begin to bless, in 1994, eight acres was purchased right here where we are, right here on the corner of 157 in Campground Road. Listen, after the purchasing of this property, the first church building was erected, as we know the metal building down here uh, on the corner. Uh, we put that up. The church put that up. The church family finally had a home and room to grow in the future. In October of 99, God brought us here. Uh, we came from uh, South Carolina. And listen, we had a rekindled dream to serve God in this place. Had no idea, had no idea exactly how, did not know exactly when, did not know all the details, but we did have a dream. Say amen. We knew that God had called us here, God had great plans, and God was up to something. Say amen. Listen, in the fall of 01, the walls came down in the original auditorium because we needed room. We had grown to the place where we didn't have any more room, and we needed room, so we tore the walls down. And the church auditorium could then seat around 200 people comfortably. In 2002, as the year progressed, we knew we could not any longer fit all the people into that auditorium, and people began to pull in the parking lot and leave because there was no room. Boy, that'll make a preacher sick. Say amen. Boy, we begin to pray and beg God and ask God to help us, and, and we started on the building that you're sitting in right now. In the spring of 2003, we broke ground on a new church building that would allow God to continue to bring broken people to us to help love and encourage and bring back and, and, and mend and heal. And, and listen, I can remember standing on the very spot I'm standing right now. Some of y'all remember this on a Wednesday night or a Sunday. I think it was a Wednesday night. We all got into a circle on this big grass. Uh, cars was going by, probably thought we was having a seance. But what we was doing was asking God, Oh God, if you will, we will. If you'll bless it, we'll do it. Oh God, if you'll give us a place where we can continue to grow. And we got down on our knees in the middle of this grass field and said, God bless us. And you know what? The dream continues. God gave us a building. But in 2004, we moved in this. We began the new year in this building right here. I remember when we moved from down there and got up here, it felt like we was moving into the Houston Astrodome. Amen? And, and, and I preached a message. I remember in January of 2004, we preached on the subject I have a dream. I have a dream. God allowed me to share with you some of the things that God was doing in my heart and God was doing in my life and what I believe God was going to do here at Temple and where God was taking Temple. 2006 and 2007, the growth continued and we continued to expand numerically and spiritually. 2007, we broke ground on an expansion project that we know of back here, the gym, and, and, and this would allow us to reach more people. We took the, the, uh, the sound booth out of the back and extended the auditorium and was able to put more people in there. And you say, but what about right now? What about right now in 2009? Well, I'm here this morning to tell you I still have a dream. And I want to preach just a few moments on the fact I still have a dream. I look back, I, 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 I brought that, that outline out of the archives and, and brought it up and, and, and the, what God gave us in 2004, man, it lines up exactly with what we're doing right now. And man, I was amazed at how God did that. I couldn't see it as clearly then as I do now, but I'm glad I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Amen. 
Joseph could not see it when he was in the field. Joseph could not see it when he was in the pit. Joseph could not see it as a slave in Potiphar's house. But boy, when he sat on that throne, he could see the dream clearly. He could see that God knew what he was doing. And I want to share with you, I still have a dream. How many of y'all can dream this morning? How many of y'all are willing to dream, dream, dream on what God's going to do in this place? Let's not stay in the status quo. I don't want to stay like we've always been. I don't want to get what we've always got. We've got to change and move forward and do whatever it takes to go forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, write this down real quickly. I've got a party to get to. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, number one, I still have a dream. I dream of a place where there is a priority to magnify. There is a priority to magnify. The word priority means first in importance. First in importance. What does that mean? When we come to this house at 10.30 on Sunday morning, we have a priority to magnify the Savior. The Bible says in Psalms 34, verse number 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. I like this verse right here. Oh, oh, magnify, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Preacher, what are you saying? I believe we need to leave our problems at the door. I believe we need to leave our grudges at the door. I believe we need to, listen, leave our our heartaches at the door. I believe we need to leave everything that's going to hinder us from magnifying our Savior and walk through that door with a fresh attitude and a fresh heart and a heart that's ready to worship God and give Him praise and glory and give Him the glory that He deserves. Why? Because one day I was on my way to hell. One day He reached down in a pit and snatched me up also out of that horrible pit, out of that miry clay, and he set my foot on a rock and he established my going and he put a new song in my mouth. Say amen, somebody. He got me where I am today. I did not deserve it. I did not earn it. I shouldn't have got it, but I got it. Say amen. I'm here having the time of my life and it's all because of Him. I'm saved because of Him. I'm satisfied because of Him. I'm serving because of Him. One day I'm going to walk on the street of gold because of Him. I have a mansion in glory because of Him. I'm going to magnify Him. Oh, hallelujah. We need to have a priority that when we come into this place, I'm not coming to see who's wearing what. I'm not coming to see who's driving what. I'm not coming to see who's got this or who's got that. Listen, you are not necessarily my priority. Listen, you are secondary. Listen, Jesus is priority. We are here to put Him first. We are here to think about Him. We are here to praise His name, for He is worthy. I dream of a place where we, listen, our priority is to magnify Him. Magnify Him. There's so many churches that are here. There's so many churches everywhere. All they care about is seeing what somebody else has got. They're not coming to worship. They're coming to be busybodies. They're coming to be nosy. They're coming to see what the other person has. The only thing they got in their heart is religion. But I'm telling you, I've been redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory. Christ is mine. Say amen. I'm going to magnify him. He's worthy of my praise. Listen priority to magnify Kendrick I'm talking about when we come that's why we come we come with expectation we come knowing that listen when that song starts and that music begins to play 
when we pull in the parking lot, something's going to happen. God is going to show up. I, I want to be in his house. I want to be in the house of God. David said, this one thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I'm telling you, I love coming to this place. I love being in God's house. I love being around God's people. I love worshiping Him. I love feeling His presence. I love feeling Him when He moves. I'm telling you, I love Him. I love Him. I was told, I might want to turn the recorder off on this one. I was told that my style might scare some folks off. Yeah, I did. You was there, you heard it. So I tried it. I tried it. Get your Bible. We're going to be reading today. I did, I tried that. But about a quarter way through the intro, it, it dawned on me where I was when he found me. It dawned on me where I was headed when he touched me. It dawned on me what I have in my life now that I wouldn't have if it hadn't have been for him. And I could not help it. I felt like the prophet that had something shut up in his bones and I'm trying to be good and I'm trying to be dignified. But I'm telling you, when it comes to worship, you can't do that. That woman came into Jesus' presence. She began to weep. Listen, her emotions took over and she began to weep and, and kiss his feet. She could not help it. If you can program it so good, you know when you're starting and when you're stopping and all this kind of garbage. You ain't got what I got. I dream of a place where there's liberty to worship. Where there's a longing to worship. Where we're not caring who's the big Listen, a big frog in the pond. We're not wanting a big part of something small. We all want a small part of something big. We're all in this thing together. Just want to see God move. Our priority is magnifying Him. We didn't come to magnify the choir. We didn't come to magnify the preacher. We didn't come to magnify the soloists or the, the, the trios or the quartets. We didn't come to magnify any program. We come to magnify Jesus. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Give Him praise and glory in His house, church. Give Him praise and glory. Hallelujah. I dream, I still dream of a place where there's a priority to magnify by praising the Savior, but then <clears throat> by preaching the Scriptures. That's falling by the wayside, can you? Now, I believe, I believe in being uh, relevant. That's a new word, relevant. Uh, we want to be more relevant. Well, the Bible said his word endureth to all generations. If what's in that book ain't relevant to you, something's wrong. You're an alien. Because there's not a need that you have that it cannot meet. But what's happened is we've taken a lot of psychological books and we're trying to philosophize with people. We're trying to get psychological and trying to brain. No, 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 no. Paul, Paul said the power is in the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. Paul told Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Son, just preach the word. 
it'll work. It'll work. When, it, when we clearly understand the Scriptures, and listen, God's Word, there's nothing in this world that will bring conviction like the Bible. The Word of God. It's quick. That's what the word quick means? It means fast. But it is fast. It means alive. Quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Two edges. The Old Testament. The New Testament. It means it'll cut going and coming. Amazing to me. Preaching that revival last week. And people come to me. What's that preacher been saying to you? That preacher tell you about me? I said, he sure did. I didn't say that. That preacher ain't got to say nothing. Because the Holy Spirit goes to work with you. The Holy Spirit heard what you told your wife. He saw what you done at work. And see, I'm in my office minding my own business. He says, all right, right here in chapter number, you need to deal with this Sunday. Okay. I don't know no faces. I don't know no dirty deeds. I don't know what happened. I'm just preaching a book. But God knows what you've done. When that preacher's preaching, whoa. It's like one of them heat-seeking missiles. Wham! I like watching the military channel until Tammy turned it off. We can't afford it now. We can afford Disney, but we can't afford the, the military channel. And they would show them missiles. They'd show them missiles going up and around and intelligent arms is what they call And I got to thinking, ain't that just like the Bible? I can preach on one subject. It comes down off the pulpit. Wham! And Brother Bruce heard something Brother Mickle never even heard. And I don't even remember saying. So how can it do that? Because it's alive. That's why it's working. We don't need to change it. Why, why, why change something that's working? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I like my Bible. It worked for my granddad. It worked for my dad. It's working pretty good now. Amen. I still have a dream of a place where there's a priority to magnify. How many of y'all see that say, man? But not only that, I dream of a place where there's a process of maturity. There is a process of maturity. There are some good Brother Kendrick, who have been saved a very long time, yet they are still spiritually immature. I think one of the biggest tragedies in, in the American church today is there are not a specific, simple process set up to get the Christian, the born-again believer, from point A to point C. There are many that have come in and got saved, and that's about as far as they've gotten. 
because for so long, most people, most preachers, most church leaders said, well, just come to church and you'll get what you need. That is a lie from hell. It should not be that way. God told us in Ephesians chapter 4, He gave us, listen, uh, 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 the, the church leaders there that He listed, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, for what? For the perfecting of the saints. The perfecting, the maturing, the developing. That word doesn't mean without blemish or without, uh, without any problems or without any mistakes. It means completion. It means maturity. God wants us to bring people to spiritual maturity. Why do you think there's so many church splits and so many church schisms and isms? Because they're filled with immature babies. Churches are full of people that want to suck their thumb and, listen, cry because they don't get things their way. There is not a Burger King sign on the top of this roof. It's not about my way. It's not about your way. It's about God's way. He is the head and we are the body. The body does what the head tells it to do. We are to set up a process. And I'm glad we are, we are uh, listen, we are, still, we are still in the change process of developing this and getting it good. We, we haven't got it perfected yet, but we are on the right path. Preacher, what are you talking about, a process? We're supposed to just come to church. Well, let me, let me explain it. I explained it last week, and I'm going to explain it some more this week. Listen, I want you to write this down. Under the process of maturity, I want you to write this down. The process explained. What, what is this process? What is this process that you're dreaming about? Well, there's basically three things. We have studied and studied and studied and taught and explained and, and, and exhorted and encouraged that, that we are to be producing disciples. Would you all agree with that? A chair factory produces. Cheese factory produces. That's very, amen? Uh, uh, what does a church produce? Disciples. Disciples. Well, what is a disciple? Well, we found out. The Bible teaches clearly that uh, it, it, Jesus said, I believe it's in Luke chapter 14. I, I believe that's where it's at. Uh, he said, unless a man uh, loves me more than anything, unless he hates his father and his mother and his brother and his sister and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So what that means, if we're going to be a disciple, we have to love him more than anything else in this world. What's the greatest commandment, they asked Jesus? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. So what do we do? We are supposed to love God. The first part of the process is to love God. Love God. Say that with me. Love God. Why? Because if you get that down, all the rest is easy. When you love God, you won't have any problem doing what He tells you to do. When you love God, you won't have any problem loving your neighbor. When you love God, man, there's something about that, that happens in your life that changes everything. When you put Him first as a priority, we love God. But then, what do we do? Secondly, we love others. Why? Because the Bible says that second is as, it, as the same. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're supposed to love our neighbor. We're not only supposed to be connected with God, we're supposed to be connected with our neighbor. So God wants us as a disciple to love others. We learned a, a, a song in school. We learned a song in school. Uh, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that knoweth, loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is... What's that mean? That means you can't sit right here and begrudge the one sitting over there. Not if you love God. 
Not if God's love is in you. Are y'all still with me? So we're supposed to love God, love others, and then and then what? Y'all, come on, y'all know this. We done. Say it again. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? That's the process. Simple. I I had fifteen different outlines, fifteen different outlines uh, that I I to try to explain this. You know, the process should be simple, shouldn't it? How many of y'all like simple things? How, how many of you love it when at Christmas time your wife brings you a box that looks like the, sound of, the, the size of Mount Everest with a, a Webster's Dictionary looking thing that is called the directions to put it together? You have to have a Philadelphia lawyer and a Ph.D. degree just to open the package. Say amen. I hate that stuff. I said buy it, put together. Batteries already in there. Amen. Simple. My life is complicated enough. I don't need no help. Amen. Would y'all agree with that? And you know what? This process that we're talking about in church should be simple. It should be no problem to know what it is or how to do it. It should be simple, but it should be scriptural. There's a lot of things that people are doing today that's not scriptural. But not only that, God said it needs to be successful. Let me say something about that. Matthew, good haircut, by the way. Did you lose a bet or your mind? Amen. Help me now. Hallelujah. I love a man who's not afraid to stand out. Hallelujah. If what you're doing is not working, why do you keep doing it? Oh, y'all going to get quiet now. Okay. Because Momo done it. That Man, that's a great reason to keep being unsuccessful. Well, because we've always done that and we're supposed to do that. Well, the Bible says that you're supposed to bear fruit and your fruit remain. If there ain't no fruit on the tree, you're not supposed to do it. In all the changes we've made, the biggest criticism that I've ever seen is because it's not the way we've always done it or it's not the way they've done it. But we are all stand and shout and, 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 and agree that what has been going ain't working. If you're losing 77% of your young people by their first year in college, they're gone never to come back. I'm talking about the ones raised in church, and we're losing them? Something's wrong. We're not developing disciples. Disciples know who they love. Disciples know what they believe. What we have developed is a bunch of good churchgoers. That when they get into college, I'll tell you why it's happening, because when they get into college, they don't know what they believe. And when they get with all them liberal professors, they lie to them and distort and brainwash them. That's why we're losing them. Amen. So we've got a process. Loving people, loving God, serving both. Listen, that is the process explained. Now, now this is the process experience. Or the process, the program experience. Why did I say program? I changed words. The process, Brother Kendrick, is what we do. The program is how we do it. You follow me? The process is the whole deal. It's the whole deal. Going from, going from a lost sinner all the way to serving saints. Are y'all with me? I'm almost done. Y'all stay with me. Stay with me. Don't lose me on here. Don't lose me on here because this will change your life. We go from 
loving God. We come in our worship service. Where, where, what program do we learn to love God? Say it with me. Say it with me. Now, if you don't get involved in that, how are you going to learn to love God? Now, if you come in, if you come in and just go through the motions, if you come in and you just sing the songs like you always done because you're in the habit of doing that and it's just the way worship is, if you don't never think about what you're singing, if you don't never think about what God has done for you, if you don't never feel what you're doing, then you're not involved yet. You're in the motions. You're like many couples today. You're in the same house with no relationship. There are couples today that are in the same house, yet they have no relationship. There is no affection. There is no intimacy there. Listen, it's not about just coming and going through the motions. It's coming and recognizing what He has done for you and returning the favor. We learn to love God through our worship service. That is the program. We learn to love God. Then, then listen, the next one, we love others. What is the program you use to do that? Our small groups, our community groups. I was with a pastor yesterday. It's about burnout. Discouraged. We were talking, and, and I was eating, and they were sharing, you know, things about how... Just, just, he was telling, I was just about to get out of town.